Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Carbotura was among the world's top 50 most innovative new companies in 2021. It uses industrial-scale modular facilities to eliminate municipal solid waste and create renewable fuels, carbon sequestering critical minerals, and nanobiomaterials. In the process, it delivers highly efficient, large-scale carbon capture for positive environmental impact. Tyler Wood is a director at Carbatura, and he's going to tell us about this closed-loop system that generates multiple circular and regenerative economic benefits. But first, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're turning into this podcast, you already understand the critical role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website to learn more about their latest opportunities or to get in touch about building your perfect team. Hello, Tyler, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you again. Yes, this is a repeat performance, isn't it? Uh, and we're, we're on to a different subject this time. So I'm really excited about hearing about what's going on at Carbatura. But before we get into the details of that technology, tell our followers about your zero-fill service model. Sure. So um, basically, we can help communities um, become circular in their materials management. Uh, we offer a comprehensive uh, materials management strategy for either large companies, large municipalities, towns, communities, um, sovereigns. Um, and so what we're, what we're doing is we're offering these services without any front-end capital costs, as long as we know we've got a, a good counterparty client that's mm -hmm. creditworthy and um, has trash. So we kind of got <laughs> to the hard part. You know, oh, that's the, that's the only two requirements. Okay, creditworthiness yeah. and trash. I love it. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, it's true though. It's it's uh it's funny because we've already gone through the hard part. We've got this. We've gone through our techno-economic due diligence. We've got a multi-trillion-dollar financial partner uh, providing us all of the financing, so we can essentially uh, go into any community that wishes to actually walk the walk of circularity and sustainability. Um, and engage our services, and we can start uh, immediate deployment uh, worldwide. Uh, we'd like to focus on uh, North America, uh, but we've got a lot of interest from uh, from around the world happening right now. Okay, well, thanks for that uh, introduction to the process. Now, what does a company or community do to qualify for a zero-cost waste elimination service? Sure. Uh, basically, we look for a 30-year contract, similar to like a landfill contract. It's a long-term uh, relationship. And so what we'll do is we'll come up with a uh, more of a, a comprehensive plan to establish uh, what services they'll need uh, that complement their existing infrastructure. So we'll do, we'll start with a basic uh, MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, 
and then we'll get into a little bit of a hey, what are your what are your assets that you're currently using for uh, your waste elimination? Do you have a waste energy facility? Do you have anaerobic digestion? Do you have um, septic issues, uh, wastewater issues, landfill, <clears throat> landfill leachate, uh, legacy waste, um, and things of that nature. And then we'll provide a comprehensive plan to basically um, uh, come in over a period of anywhere from nine to 18 months is our deployment um, uh, timeline and um, from contract to commissioning. And we can scale basically from 100 tons per day to 10,000 tons per day or more. Um, and on the larger scale side of things, uh, we do those in, in phases um, to allow us to, to build up because, uh, say, a 500 ton per day type of commercial deployment, that's about $125 million that we invest into a community. And that could be the size of about 200,000 people. Uh, and we'll be able to create a, a zero waste community uh, over a period of you know less than two years, which is pretty significant uh, when you think about how wasteful the world economy is. There's a study that was done uh, on circularity called the Circularity Gap Report, and they came out that out of all the world's thing, all the world's production of 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 goods. Um, 8.6% of it is circular. So that means that there's a 91% circularity gap. And what we're doing is we're closing that gap shut. And we are now providing renewable materials and much more resilience into these communities that aren't won't have to necessarily be reliant on bringing in materials from the other side of the planet. So, Tyler, what you're describing is a technology or technologies that eliminate plastic waste, remediate water from solid waste, captures carbon and produces raw biomaterials that can be converted to biochar or activated carbon, graphene, and building materials. Am I right? Uh, and if you could just add to your response a little bit more about what the circular economy is, because I'm not sure that all of our listeners know uh, what that what that term means. Sure. Um, all right, I'll get into it. And at circular, I mean that, that there's uh, no loss of material. Uh, we're basically reintroducing raw materials back into the global supply chain. Um, I think sustainability and resilience are, you know, kind of words that everyone likes to high five each other about for like, you know, not using a, a plastic straw or something or, or whatever they're doing in towards like sustainability. But the thing is, is that if it's not circular, it's not sustainable or resilient. And so we have to get into a little bit more of a mass balanced uh, perspective, because we can't rely on you know, other planets for the resources that we're over, we're over mining uh, in the United States and around the world. So um, circularity is, is very much going to be front and center of what we uh, uh, talk about, uh, more so than ESG um, and things of that nature, because I think that um, it gets clouded in political um, um, polarities. Um, and so from the standpoint of our outputs, though, we've got uh, 
a large volume of potential outputs. The typical waste streams are uh, anywhere from six, you know, basically sixteen discrete waste uh, 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 renewable materials uh, coming in from waste and being redirected into renewable materials. And so some of that is renewable energy um, that we actually use to self-power. So we're self-powered. Um, and then a lot of it, we can either, and I joked with you at this, at the uh, Circularity Summit, um, that we can either use a hammer or we can <laughs> use a scalpel. Um, and so we can uh, graphitize uh, the majority of all of those materials and come out with uh, graphite and graphene, activated carbon and things of that nature. Um, and then from the standpoint of other materials that might be in waste streams, we come out with uh, water, which would be a distilled water and trained metals, silica. Um, and so there's a, there's a tremendous amount of value, um, being derived. And within those renewable fuels, if we wanted to use a scalpel, um, we can actually go in and that's like a, essentially a high and low boiling point oils that are like a crude oil. And within that, there's over 600 chemicals that we can um, parse out uh, into the chemicals industry. Uh, and so it's not just waste energy. Uh, waste energy is like, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, waste of fuel, you get a few more pennies on the dollar. Uh, but waste to raw materials, that's where the real value comes into play and in how we ad address our waste streams and how to maximize the benefit of our waste streams. Um, people are, are being really um, hoodwinked to think that waste to energy is some sort of uh, sustainability um, uh, solution. And it's just one notch down from burning coal. So if you think burning coal is a good idea, then burning trash is wonderful. <laughs> um, and so what we have to really do is kind of retrain, um, you know, the people that are necessary, that are actually out there in these leadership roles. And they've been hoodwinked over the several decades with very effective uh, lobbying and, and campaigning around waste energy being a, a critical um way of dealing with waste and we can uh, really address it in a in a multitude of ways not only from the standpoint of their legacy waste because we can take that ash and we can process that ash through our system um, but we can also um, instead of a lot of those facilities are running to their end of life and so and it creates it's a tremendous amount of capex and it takes a long time and no one wants one of these things in their backyard so we can come in and start replacing uh, the, that legacy infrastructure that is very inefficient with, you know, state of the art, far more efficient um, equipment. And we come in as a service. So we're, you know, soup to nuts, the whole um, process of coming in, doing the analysis, building it all out, running it, operating it, selling those raw materials and providing a zero cost service to the community um, is is tremendously value, valuable. It creates a lot of high high paying jobs, um, and we're also talking about completely remediating legacy waste. So it's uh, it's a it's a big transition that we're all going through right now. Um, and I've been I've never been busier in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about some of the the 
uh, things that come out of this process, like biochar, like activated carbon, graphene, graphite. T tell our listeners a little bit more about these materials, because uh, I don't think they're, I, I, I was only in the last couple of years that I've started learning about these materials. Talk a little bit more about why they're a valuable component uh, of what comes out of this process. Yeah, and and we come out with both, you know, char or biochar. It's it's essentially carbon. Uh, we're bringing it down to a, a its root uh, level uh, of carbon. So you have activated carbon, which is critical for air and water filtration. Um, biochar is, uh, you know, being touted and and very rightly so as a tremendous soil re uh, remediation and soil amendment. Um, <clears throat> graphite is a critical mineral from the Department of Defense standpoint um, in the Department of Energy because uh, we haven't actually produced graphite since the 1950s. And there's about 200 pounds of graphite in every electric vehicle. Uh, so we can't become sustainable if we're going to be relying on China for very dirty graphite. And our graphite is a uh, carbon neutral graphite and a renewable type of graphite that is of very high quality. In addition to that, on the graphene front, um, you know, graphene is a is a is a new uh, commodity. It's a, a one nano sheet of of graphite, um, but they studied it. It won a Nobel Peace Prize uh, over a over a decade ago, um, and, or the people that discovered it. And um, it's funny too because if you look at a piece of a pencil with the graphite on it, you take uh, scotch tape on it and you pull it off. There's a little powder there. That powder is graphene. Uh, and that's how they ended up discovering it. And so from there, we can now with, as technology is advanced, we can actually turn uh, our waste streams into graphene. Uh, some of the material characteristics of graphene is that it's 200 times stronger than steel. Uh, it's four times more efficient than lithium and it's 10 times more efficient than copper. Um, and so we can really uh, have an impact on the global supply chain by being able to introduce uh, renewable uh, and um, more sustainable materials uh, into all the things that we use and do around the world, and especially when it comes to energy storage. Um, you know, with all of the amount of money being put into this renewable uh, energy infrastructure, energy storage is the critical aspect. And you can't do that without things like graphite and graphene. Um, and so we'll be supplying that. Um, and uh, we've got uh, some great um, avenues for getting that into the market. And there's a whole bunch of battery gigafactories being, you know, manufactured, being built in the United States. Uh, so we'll be able to provide them all with very critical uh, graphite materials. So what I think I hear you saying, Tyler, is that a lot of things that we have typically extracted from the earth in one location from one location or another around the planet, and we've traded and we've, we've purchased or we've sold or whatever, are things that actually can come now from our solid waste if it's processed effectively. Is that is that right? Yep. Yeah, uh, right now, um, what we're doing is most of it is either sticking in it a hole or burning it, uh, you know, and then you're just basically ending its economic value. Um, the burning waste is burning materials. 
which is essentially burning money. So if communities like burning money, they would love waste energy um, <laughs> because you're incinerating it. Uh, we're not incinerating our waste. We're breaking it down at a molecular level. And a lot of the waste management industry has spent a lot of their um, money over the last decades on uh, their their uh, expenditures have been on separating trash, these machines that just separate trash. Well, we separate molecules. And so with us, there's no separation of the trash needed. So we can go into our legacy waste and landfill mine and all of these types of um, hard to abate um, uh, situations and come in and, and really uh, start untrashing the planet. And there's, there's a is an incredible opportunity here. We've already got the hard part done and that's finding someone to write big checks. So now it's just a matter of, you know, uh, it's already paid for, you know, who wants to actually walk the walk and be circular? Who wants to truly be sustainable? I think that some people are a little res uh, reticent uh, to uh, take, take that step uh, because, you know, civilization for the past couple thousand years has sustained itself by turning nature into garbage. Right. Now, listen, we've got a few more minutes left, and I want to get to other couple of other topics. Let's talk about the demand that you're seeing for these kinds of services from companies and municipalities around the country. Let's start with the U.S., because that's you said that before that that's the market you're focusing on right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, we actually, we, we worked with a number of um, consultancy firms that uh, are in either smart cities or in the waste management industry. And uh, we have relationships with several of them and they've been helping um, introduce this to their network and their clients around the world uh, and in the United States. Um, and also a lot of uh, my work and efforts of, of outreach. Uh, we did uh, uh, we presented to the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection for the state of Connecticut to provide them with a comprehensive materials management uh, strategy for the whole state. Uh, we're uh, working right now for our first deployment uh, in Connecticut. Uh, that'll um, uh, be about the equivalent of about a thousand tons a day, um, about $250 million in CapEx. Um, that'll be a great example for New England in general, because New England in the Northeast has the highest disposal and tipping fee rates uh, in the country. And we're coming in with a significantly lower cost. Uh, that's essentially a net zero cost. So, you know, tough, tough beating zero uh, when you're the most expensive, you know, cost structure in the in the country. Um, and then uh, we were also talking with. Um, um, Canada, both ministers of the environment for uh, Saskatchewan and uh, the ministry's office in Ontario. Uh, there's a tremendous interest uh, for them as well uh, towards circularity. Um, and then we've got a number of uh, municipalities in the U.S. that have expressed interest, and we're actively working with them, uh, working on deployment plans. Um, and so, and and actually the circularity summit that we uh, uh, talked at uh, weeks ago was a great opportunity because I think everyone's all around the place, very passionate about it. 
but they're all small islands. And when we get together, we have a larger voice and we can connect with people that have that are all mission driven. And so it amplifies uh, the message and the critical aspect of this. And especially it wasn't lost on me that we were in New York and they're producing, you know, 14,000 tons of trash a day that we're just either, you know, incinerating or throwing it in a hole. Um, and they're throwing away trillions of dollars. And, you know, so if, if, you know, that's the epitome of waste when you're actually throwing away money. <laughs> well, listen, this sounds like the business model for Carbatura has a good trajectory ahead of it, and it's going to be very competitive within the waste management industry. Tyra, where online can our listeners learn more about Carbatura, and how can they get in touch with you regarding the topics that we've discussed in today's program? Sure, they can go to carbatura.com. And also, I'd like to say that um, uh, we want to work with the waste management industry. Uh, they already have the long-term contracts and have all the equipment for picking up all the trash and managing it all and the logistics. What we really want to do is disintermediate or either extend the life of landfills or disintermediate landfills and allow them to go the way of the fax machine. Um, as far as waste energy goes, that's, you know, there's a lot of that being built. You know, we can work with them. Um, there's probably some, a little bit of co-opetition, um, but essentially um, there's a lot more money in uh, the materials than just energy. And, um, and, and that's a very important point that I think most people don't think about. The only thing they think about is trash is what day to take it out. People can get in touch with me at uh, carbatura.com. We have a number of uh, messages, uh, resources, contact information, videos, uh, ways to get in touch, uh, and look forward to uh, uh, any questions you guys may have. Great. Well, thanks very much again, Tyler Wood of Carbatura. And for our listeners, if you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your teams. And to our followers, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Oh,